Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 343 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. I'm all by myself today. Jill is out, I believe, getting her wisdom teeth out. Um, So she'll be back shortly with a few less teeth in her mouth. Um, Thinking of you, Jill. I had to do that, too. Not a fun experience. But I doubt you're listening to this. If you are, you're probably a little hopped up on some drugs. So probably won't remember it anyway. But uh, she will be back soon, and we'll be both in the office finally uh, once again. Uh, I am back from New York City. I was there for Book Expo America and BookCon, uh, doing a whole bunch of interviews and a whole lot of promotion and lots of fun stuff to share throughout the next couple of months. And the first thing I'll be sharing is today's episode with Sarah Enney, who is someone that not only is she a wonderful author, her debut book, Tell Me Everything, is a YA that uh, is very, very poignant when it comes to the world of social media. And it's we talk about this during the, the interview, but I think it's a book for both YA readers, young adults, and also parents uh, as well. It, it's very, uh, it's just a great conversation starter. Uh, and she's also the host of the First Draft podcast, which... I listen to every single week, and if you're not listening to it, I highly recommend she does what we do here. She interviews authors and has these great conversations with storytellers, and um, I've been, me, I'm really excited to have this conversation for a long time. Uh, We've been online friends for a while now, and more recently uh, in life, in, in person, kind of friends a few times now as well, and Sarah is one of the people who I sort of she makes me want to be a better interviewer and also being a published author. Uh, she has done a lot of things that I look up to. So it was a cool moment to uh, get to sit down with a friend and talk about writing and and podcasting and, and the various ways that it's helped her and just lots of really, really good stuff. So uh, I think you guys will love this. I very much enjoyed getting to hang out with Sarah uh, for a little while at Book Expo before she went off and did a million panels that she was moderating and I went off and uh, did a bunch more interviews. So it's kind of like two ships in the night. Uh, And uh, we were laughing because we never took a picture or anything like we were supposed to do. Apparently we're bad at podcasting. So um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can go to professionalbooknerds.com. You can always find us on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Definitely go subscribe to the First Draft Podcast and go check out Tell Me Everything. Uh, and if you aren't sold by me just telling you uh, after this conversation, I think you will uh, definitely feel that way. So that's everything I've got on my end. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with the glorious Sarah Annie on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Adam and I am joined by my good buddy Sarah Enney today, host of the super popular First Draft podcast where she interviews other storytellers, which might sound familiar if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> also one of the nerdy podcasts that I listen to all the time. Uh, she's also the author of Tell Me Everything, which is a wonderful YA book, which has now made me cry twice. And so I'm also, just making you cry left and right. You're making me cry left and right. I was telling you before we started recording, you made me cry with your podcast. And now you made me cry with your book twice because I did a reread and I was like, well, I won't be that emotional this time nope super cried oh. and it also happens to be and i know you know this my niece's like favorite book ever 
I am so in love with your niece made an art project about my book. She and did. sent me the picture and it's like, it devastated me. That, speaking of cry. Well, and then you and I saw each other in, was that Los Angeles? Yeah, at LA Times Festival yep. Books. And yes. you like made a video for her and you made her, in, like you made her entire world. It was, yeah. So. Oh, that's so sweet. So first off, thank you for joining us today. Uh, yeah, oh my God, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to ch- be on the podcast. I know, yeah, podcast with a podcast. It's yeah. like the whole thing. So, um, I was tempted to break tradition which is we usually do like hey talk about your book first and I like to do that first I really wanted to do what you do and like just do a whole bio thing but I'm not gonna do that so first do you want to tell people about tell me everything and then we'll just kind of bounce from there totally yes so tell me everything I came out earlier this year from Scholastic it is about a girl named Ivy she is 15 years old and she's a young artist, but she's really shy. So she's a little bit too shy to share her artwork with anybody. Um, but then she gets really wrapped up in this new social media app that takes off at her school where people are posting their artwork. And she's so moved by what she's seeing on the app that she, instead of posting herself, she wants to find out, oh, it's an anonymous app, that's important. And um, so people are <laughs> posting their stuff anonymously, but she really wants to know who's make, creating this beautiful art. So she goes out of her way to try to find out who's posting this stuff and do nice things for them. But it turns out when people are posting things anonymously, it's because they want to be anonymous. Right, so yeah. she crosses a lot of boundaries and has to learn a lot about like owning her own voice and putting herself out there, because mm-hmm. you can't do it for anybody else, it turns out. Well, okay, so the app is called Veil, and I have to say, like, throughout the book, you talk about a lot of the things that are problematic about it, but also, like, as an app, it's a pretty good idea. Like, I was kind of torn because you live in L.A., right? Like, I was shocked you didn't, like send the app idea to like a bunch of VC people like it's a genuinely good idea well I appreciate that it's very um it was sort of me sitting down being like I knew I wanted to write about social media but I was Mm -hmm. like I don't want to write about an existing app I don't want to play by anybody else's rules right um so it was kind of me being like what's the dream Mm -hmm. what's the dream app but in my core being I don't believe that these things are necessarily good like I'm having a real moment with Facebook as we all are I think and so I, I knew I wanted it to, I wanted to explore the problems with it or the, the potential problems with it, which means I've probably done more thinking about the negative side of my app than people who have actually created real apps that millions of people I, use. Oh, you 100% thought <laughs> more about the negative because you think about like Twitter and it's, I, it's like rough. you said, having a moment with Facebook, like I have a moment, like every time I get on Twitter, I'm like, I should be a part of a conversation. And I'm like, oh, all these conversations are terrible, terrible. and depressing. Yeah. And, but I, I just think the reason I loved your book so much I talk about my niece my sister also read your book and loved it and I, it really got me thinking because my niece is 12 mm-hmm. and she's about to go into high school and like, she happens to be just the sweetest person and she's not on social media oh, but because my sister Good. my sister and her husband are both lawyers so they're very like mm-hmm. on that but it just made me think like this is really the first generation of high schoolers that have grown up entirely yeah. in this world of social media so when the reason I think your book is so important for both kids and also for parents is yeah it gives them a connection like to it like my sister said she's like I didn't think about any of this like really the negative aspects of things because my sister's a little bit older than I am I'm 33 and she's in her late 30s I won't call out her age yeah. on the podcast <laughs> Megan's gonna yell at me um but she said she's like we didn't she's like I didn't even have a cell phone in college so like I didn't have to worry about any of this stuff so just like the fact that you make a book and even like Ivy and her parents 
have kind of almost like the same situation. Totally. They, I really like, that makes me so happy. I'm glad that it was <laughs> like, a, a, I'm glad that you're, it made your sister think about some things because mm-hmm. I spend way too much of my time thinking about this yeah. um, and Silicon Valley generally and what we owe ourselves um, and what an anonymity means and mm-hmm. what it means to be public all the time. And I, and I, I part of, I don't want to be the older generation talking about the younger generation yeah. in any kind of way but I am glad that I didn't have Facebook until college oh, yeah. I didn't have that kind of stuff until then and I think I would have developed differently mm-hmm. and a lot of veil talks or a lot of tell me everything talks about if you're a young person and especially a young artist mm-hmm. that means that you want to be able to fail all yeah. the time and there's something about putting something up on Instagram that makes it feel final yeah. and makes it feel like it should be the completed thing mm-hmm. and and that's putting too much on people too young I think like you should be able to fail out loud quietly in your own room and not feel like you have to show anybody anything yeah well not only that when you're putting something on like Instagram especially when it comes to you know photography or art it it's either going to be your friends who like it right double tap that or it's going to be people that hate on it and it's not going to be a a dialogue or a constructive you know Ivy in the book is she has this art class and she has what I would determine the world's greatest art teacher I think like <laughs> literally like has so much positive and like critical thinking about everything that they're doing but like you don't get that on social media it's it's people that just want to yell yeah it's not a place for nuance it's a place where you are where it actively encourages strong reactions Mm -hmm. either way so it so it not only means that you're putting yourself out there to be like yelled at or called bad words but you're also being exposed to like hyperbolic friend interactions which are like you're the you're the greatest you're the best person that's ever lived and at some point Mm -hmm. at some point doesn't that numb you to actual nuanced feeling I mean it's either way it's pretty I think it's changing how we talk to ourselves and and each other yeah well it's also changing just like how our ability to to share thoughts like images things like that I I think about even when like I was in high school I'm thinking we're about the same age like when I was in high school we would go to prom or homecoming and we would get one of those like I feel like I'm aging us now like like (laughs) the camera that has like the rolly um yeah the uh, disposable cameras disposable cameras Mm -hmm. and like you would take these pictures and you know you had like 24 of them for the night like all right let's figure these out let's make sure that they look good then you didn't know until you know a couple days later and then even then it was like you just shared them by showing them people a picture now it's like I mean, and I'm guilty of this. If you look at my camera roll, it's a thousand pictures of my dogs. But, of course. There's never enough pictures of dogs to be right. clear. But, it, but, the, but that's what... Ivy is a photographer. That's her medium of mm-hmm. choice. And, and she grapples with exactly this. Because yeah. she loves... She goes into a dark room. She loves developing her own. And she uses film cameras. Mm-hmm. And, and this was... I, I put this in the book because I feel so strongly about it. Like, I yeah. love photography. We are the same age. I did the disposable camera thing <laughs> for years. And it was so... It was. It's part of the experience to then like hand it over to mm-hmm. the guy at Wolf Camera or whatever, roll in the next day and mm-hmm. then be like, let's see what happened. Yeah. Because Ivy says in the book, like, part of that experience is capturing the imperfection mm-hmm. of life and the imperfection of the moment, and it's a reflection of the fact that you'll never remember things quote unquote accurately. Mm-hmm. And there's something about social media and instant recording and yeah. stuff like that that makes it seem objective mm-hmm. when like we're not we're all subjective creatures yeah I, and I feel like I I tell people all the time like one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because when I get to sit down with someone especially yeah. someone I like adore I'm like oh and yes that was the compliment towards you and, <laughs> but like 
I, we get to have like a moment. And to me, mm-hmm. until I go back and I edit it and I share it with the world, like it's our like little conversation totally. that no one else knows about. Totally. And then yes, you put it out in the world afterwards when you've had a chance to think about it. But you're absolutely like, it, when you create a moment or a memory on you know on your phone or. You know, and then you share it, it immediately becomes subjective. Like, yeah. when my wife and I moved into a house that we spent a year building, we took a picture of the two of us and our dogs, and she looked at me, she's like, don't post that right away. And I was like, you're right. She's like, yeah. this just have tonight, like, this is our night. And she's like, I don't need 100 people telling us how proud they are of our house. Right. It's just sometimes, and it is, it's, it's so in the moment. And I, I'm curious because of the differences, obviously, that Ivy had between, like, the high school experience we had like how much of her is like biographical of like how much of yourself did you put into her I mean a ton like (laughs) like so much um and in ways I think that I'm still just even figuring out you know Mm -hmm. um her high school is my high school Mm -hmm. uh it's exactly the floor plan I mean I just picked I just ripped it off with the exception of the dome right I Mm -hmm. made up I made up this wild thing (laughs) extremely good dome yeah (laughs) which was just me um having fun Mm -hmm. but uh She's, I mean, I was a photographer when I was a kid. I was very shy. I felt like I was goth sometimes, and I truly wasn't. Ivy really fancies herself an outsider, but she's not. Mm -hmm. And so I had, and also I gave her my love of Jeff Goldblum, which is very um, personal. There was no way you could have had that much Jeff Goldblum in there without being. Without just being totally off my. Had to be, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So so there was a ton of me, but there's also a ton of me in Harold, who is Ivy's best friend, Mm -hmm. who is this kind of overachieving to the point of making himself lose his mind um, scholarly type who is really um, who encourages Ivy's art but is himself more of a science minded person Mm -hmm. and um, and also like is seeking objectivity right and is seeking equality for people and he's really passionate about um, representing Mm -hmm. everybody at school and so there's a lot of me in him too and I think those two being best friends allowed me to ping pong back and forth in my own my own conversations well and it's just I I love the f- it made me feel about the fact like reminded me in high school like I love my high school experience I had I went to a school there was 200 people total wow. and I was actually I was the last graduating class before the school closed like it was open wow. for like 35 years and so we had this weird experience when we found out it was closing but that's nuts I graduated with 48 people and wow. so because of that I got to do everything. So kind of the same thing like you were talking about. I was in student government and I was like captain of various sports teams and I was like in plays and all stuff. And from the outside looking in, people would probably see me and be like, oh, you were one of the popular kids. Mm. You were absolutely like having the best time. Mm -hmm. But if someone were to ask me now and even then, like I was so wildly insecure and I feel like high school for no matter who you are is about finding yourself. And that's why I love that you do have Harold and Ivy. They're like opposite ends of the Mm -hmm. kind of like social spectrum totally but it shows that no matter who you are in high school there's you have the same issues yeah. you're the same you know at some point um ivy for all outside appearances is like not um having a good time in high school or like engaging you know she really keeps herself isolated um but at some point in the book she realizes that that's self-imposed mm-hmm. and it's not that no one would would want to talk to her if she yeah. just initiated a conversation she's the one that's holding herself back mm-hmm. and in some ways it's that's what Harold finds too a lot of people in my in the in tell me everything are like 
coming to realizations about themselves um, and how they've imposed limits on themselves. And, and it's about like not only Ivy putting her art out in the world, but other people speaking their experiences and then allowing the people around them to like support them or see them in a more honest way. Yeah. Which is really scary, right? To be vulnerable, especially as in a high school, to earnestly love something is like death. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not done. Right. You know, so this, but, but, but it's also that's what makes life worth living. So in this yeah. book, I really wanted to say like, if you can find the bravery to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. odds are you're going to feel better for it and you're yeah. going to find the right people to have in your life. Well, it's just that you're, there's so many emotions that you're feeling for the first time oh in high school that you, like, everything feels so big. Like, yes. The first time you, like, there's a scene early on where they're in an igloo together and, like, she thinks she has this moment, but they, they she, you know, she spends, like, she wrestles with it for, like, two-thirds of the book. She's like, oh. I thought we had a moment. Like, I, like, felt myself being, like, Every single time I would talk to someone on like AOL Instant Messenger or mm-hmm. something, oh and my be God, like, yes. I'd be like, "Oh my God, I, they, they probably are in love with me. I, like, I'm in love with them." And they would be like, "Someone I like barely knew," and then like he'd leave an away message that was like a, a sentence from Goodwill Hunting, and be like, "This, they're totally gonna know what this means." It's like you're feeling yes. all these things for the first yes. time, and you also probably don't realize other people are doing the same thing. You and you don't like. I would argue what I, why I love writing YA is like we don't stop having those moments. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we never stop having all of these feelings or all of these experiences. It's just that in high school you can't contextualize them. Mm-hmm. Like now if you if you and I were on AOL chat, we'd be yeah. like, oh no, we've had enough AOL chat conversations <laughs> to get a sense of like who's engaged, like how engaged this other person is or whatever. You yeah. know, you have like the breadth of your life mm-hmm. to to um, to measure to and against, but not in high school. In high mm-hmm. school, it's like, this is unprecedented. Yeah. No one has ever felt this before. <laughs> yeah. And you can't be convinced otherwise, because why would you? That's, that's, you're right as a human having that feeling for yeah. the first time. And you're right. Like there's this, the book opens with Harold and Ivy having this like kind of romantic moment. Mm-hmm. And then he goes away to smarty pants camp for the summer. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm out here like in the wind, you know, mm-hmm. having a feeling I've never felt before. And the only person I trust to talk about it yeah. is the person I had that moment with and he's gone yeah. and it totally torments her <laughs> I'm just now I'm just saying about all of the different away messages I used to leave oh like the taking back Sunday lyrics oh and my like, god I had a bunch of those so too. angsty yes well and then I have I'm the youngest of three so I would have a sibling that would come in and like take me offline like, wait who sent me a message like who was messaging no. me the worst I Death can't even worst. believe that as an older sibling I am I am horrified. I probably just imagine the amount of girlfriends I probably lost I, because they probably said messages. You know what? Your life would be different. So, my life would be so, it'd be so different. But yeah, I just, I don't know. And then when I, I remember moving on to college, like, there's a part in your book that they, when something happens on Vail, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you want to, I don't want to give away uh, more. Just, well, like we talked about how there's a downside to Vail. Yeah. Somebody posts something really terrible mm-hmm. and then everybody who loves this app, like Ivy, has to kind of yeah. grapple with that. And so, when that happens, there's this whole like response to it where there's communication going on amongst the parents and there's communication yeah. going on in the school community. And the reason I was thinking about that is you mentioned like Facebook when we were in college. I, when I was a fr- freshman in college, Facebook came to, remember yes. back when it first started? Yes. For those of you who are under our age, Facebook used to go like campus to campus. Yeah. You had to have a dot or a .edu mm-hmm. uh, email address. And I remember when it came to our campus, people got obsessed with it as yes. everyone did. And I wrote for our 
uh, our college newspaper and like I did like the op-ed on the back like the real like as this was laughing when I literally felt like I was having That's the experience amazing. of your book and we did a whole thing about like is Facebook good is it bad is wow. there privacy issues going on like I was having Man, deja vu you were because, on the forefront of that yeah well a lot of good we did because now I Facebook mean, has all of our information yeah but it it I feel like that was like, I was, like I said I, I think that's why I think older readers will appreciate this because it is like going through all over again i feel like twitter didn't really have that because it had already happened with facebook and 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 twitter doesn't want to engage with our lives the way facebook does yeah facebook wants to own your life Mm -hmm. facebook wants to be the remember when we were starting the internet it was the aol homepage. Uh it was like how you got your news or whatever it would pop up whether you wanted to or not facebook has replaced that yeah um not for everyone. I'm actively fighting against I, that, and I, I do not go on Facebook. But um, that's why it had such a disproportionate impact on people having information mm-hmm. around the election and, and every other time. Yeah. So Twitter's and and Instagram, they're they're a little bit a step back. Yeah. They're not as like intricately involved in your life. Well, do you know Instagram is owned by Facebook? Though I know. Okay, I was but sure like they're uh, no, I'm very aware because Instagram is the only one that I feel really like it would be really hard to let that go mm-hmm. it's fun it's less yeah. intense well, especially like you mentioned having it the love for photography it's Vail like, yeah it's, I mean like it's the closest thing to Vail yeah and well and they, and they have the stories where you can put something on yes. disappears for tw- after 24 hours yes and I have issues where I will um, <laughs> I will put something on my story and I'll have like a typo and I hadn't didn't notice it's like 12 hours later I'm like do I delete this do I, <laughs> do I leave it on no let it live I literally did it on the podcast Instagram like the other day yeah, I, like, so just, funny. I looked at it I was like son of a come on <laughs> um alright so I mentioned you also have a podcast much like I ours do. first draft which I adore and I, before we start recording I feel like there's this intersection of podcast listeners who like listen to you and listen to us and listen to Yin Cheng on 88 Cups of Tea yes. and like Reading Glasses yes. and like Melissa Albert's Barnes and Noble one. Oh my one. god she's so good. And uh, but I'm curious like what made you want to start having these conversations with people? Um, that's a really good question. So it, I started the podcast in 2014 mm-hmm. and at that point I was getting a divorce and my book had gotten to acquisitions mm-hmm. but not sold. So for anyone that doesn't know acquisitions means like the very last thing that needs to happen before a publisher says, we would like to buy your book. Yeah. So it made it to the very edge of getting um, bought and then didn't. So I was in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really like, I really wanted to feel inspired again. It was, mm-hmm. I'd been writing at that point for four years, five years, and hadn't seen the fruits of my labor mm-hmm. pay off. Um, and, and I also was moving, I was going through massive life changes, and I loved podcasts and listening to podcasts, especially long form interview ones, uh, like What the Fuck with Mark Marin and what WTF You're with Mark Marin and, um, uh, and Fresh Air with Terry Gross were so soothing to me. Mm-hmm. And like at that time when I was the loneliest I've ever been, they were like a companion. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have, and, and longer conversations are better. Yes. In my opinion. Uh-huh. So I was like, I want to talk to authors and people who are who are doing what I want to do mm-hmm. and who are creative people who I admire yeah. in this way. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to qualify myself to um, be an NPR reporter, <laughs> 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 which hasn't happened. But, um, mm-hmm. but I loved, I really loved having those conversations. I was trained as a reporter, so mm-hmm. I know interview skills. Yeah. Um, that was like my favorite part of being a reporter. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a convalescence of yeah. all of, or con- sure. a congealing, whatever, <laughs> congealing. of all yeah. of these things. Um, 
uh, and then it just was so fun yeah. that I wanted to keep doing it. Well, and you, I will pay you a compliment. It's something that I struggle with where I will try to ask a question and I find myself giving a soliloquy where an author would just looking like, <laughs> it's hard. is there something coming that I'm supposed to say? But I think what you do such a good job of and that I know I need to do better with is you have an ability to like say a few words to get an author to open up. And well, first of all, I think you're doing a great job. So <laughs> well, don't beat yourself up too thank much you. about it. That's something I think about a ton. Mm-hmm. I am constantly trying to say less yeah. in asking questions and to... Um, I just wrote a whole thing that that maybe the world will see at some point about how to ask questions because I think about this all the time. First of all, my podcast is edited, so some of the dumb stuff I say you don't hear, (laughs) so just to be fair, super, super fair. Um, But I think all the time about... I think that some interviewers mistake specificity Mm -hmm. for good questions. Mm -hmm. I think if you ask someone the most specific question you're going to get a yes or no. Yeah. So I don't shy away from asking like, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And like, or, or questions that are like, I literally sometimes ask questions where I'm like, what am I even saying? It's yeah. so abstract, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. What matters is what, how it, the other person mm-hmm. is connecting to what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause they, cause we all have these thoughts. We're all living in the world. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're getting now niche until we all love books and we love expression in this manner. So if I say, like, how do you think that books, like, engage kids nowadays? Like, that's such a broad, weird mm-hmm. question, and it's hard to, it's, it would be hard to answer, you'd think. Yeah. But the truth is, we are thinking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that person's going to be like, here's my bullet list yeah. and my TED Talk about all the thoughts I have on this. It's, and there is, there's such a fine line between asking a broad, abstract question like that that gets people talking, whereas, like, I know a lot of times I will, and these are ones that I usually edit out, is I will try so hard and I'll do so much research with people to see the questions that they've been asked before yes. and I'll be like I'm going to ask them a question they've never been asked before yeah. and I get so specific with a question where they look at me like no one's ever asked me that before but they don't say it in a way like oh great question <laughs> they're like no one's ever asked me that before because it's a really stupid question that's I, okay I doubt that's true but mm. what I, I do exactly what you are saying mm. I like we'll read a ton of interviews and see what people have been asked over and over again but often their answers there's something in there answer to that pat question that that's what I hone in on mm-hmm. so so I mean a, an example isn't going to come to mind that wouldn't be that helpful anyway but but when someone answers like you get inspiration from where and they talk about the walk they go on every day with your dog yeah it's like where's that walk yeah. like what time do you walk like from that point is then when you kind of can branch mm-hmm. out into all these other that's what I have found to be useful yeah and then it's kind of being like not letting them off the hook for this initial uh-huh. question. It's like dig deeper. Yeah. And that's what people won't necessarily do on their own. Yeah. But when they're prompted, they'll kind of go with you on that. And that actually, that sort of reminds me of, along the same lines of, I hate asking authors, like, where do you get your inspiration? And like, we're like where do you get your ideas from? And you just like see their head like a wall to the side. <laughs> but um, Harlan Coben, we had him on recently, and he brought up on his own, like, he was just like, people always ask me where I get my ideas from. And we looked at it, we were, we were in front of like 500 people at a library, and I was like, we weren't going to ask you that. <laughs> and he's like, I'll answer it anyway, because he's, he's just a great outgoing guy. But he said, kind of how you're talking about how you find questions is like, Okay, you're going for a walk with your dog. Where is it? How does that inspire you? He said he'll look at something and he'll just ask a what-if question of himself. So the reason he wrote his most recent book, which is called Runaway, he was sitting in Strawberry Fields in New York, mm-hmm. and he saw this person playing a guitar. And he's like, 
what if that person was my daughter and what if they had ran away? What would have happened from there? Interesting. And then he just starts writing. And then he's like, and then I feel like that's a lot of the same thing with like questions where it's like, yeah. what if I were to drop you into, I love asking like fantasy writers, like, what if I were to drop you in someone else's world? What story mm. would you tell? Like you see their eyes percolate. Yeah. Because they get all excited. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a really good question. Oh, yeah, you can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Anytime, I mean. like, I asked Lee Wardu Go, I was like, where would, what, like, other universe would you yeah, write in? Yeah, yeah. And I, don't, I think she said Narnia. And I was like, okay, what story would you tell? And she's like, <gasps> and then I had to, like, cut, like, a half hour of an interview because yeah. she's like, I actually want to write that, so can you, like... <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love that. But, so what are, obviously, since that time, you have become published, like, do you think anything from the podcast experience help that along the line or was it just that it was kind of the time for your book to get picked up um oh the podcast for sure helped I mean the podcast has it's it's impossible for me to overstate how much the podcast has changed my life Mm -hmm. like um I was just talking to Gabby Rivera yesterday who is a wonderful author of Juliet Takes a Breath and she's about ready to start a podcast and when she said that I like leaped across the table it was like your life is going to change do you know that your life is about to change and not only because it kept me in publishing in mm-hmm. a, in an outward facing way, whereas that doesn't happen if you don't have a book out. Mm-hmm. So I managed to like finagle my way yeah. um, into public spaces with the podcast in a way that was very organic to me and felt good to me. Um, but it was con- it's all connections. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, this this conversation is not not real because right. we're recording it it's real like yeah. now we know each other yeah. and we're buds you know? I feel like, like we would have this conversation if my phone wasn't exactly, in front of us we yeah. totally would and that's what's so lovely about it mm-hmm. and and so those connections carry through so yeah. my editor Amanda Maciel it's classic is like A a brilliant genius who has also written books that everyone should read and B was buddies with a friend of mine who I knew I'd known for a long time but I had Michelle Schusterman my friend on the podcast and Michelle was like out of writing retreat with Amanda and Amanda was like talking about stories she wanted to tell Scholastic and mm-hmm. Michelle was like you know I really need to connect you yeah. and Sarah and then tell me everything we kind of worked on it together and developed it mm-hmm. and so it, so that is just one way that it like directly contributed but sure. I, I know also that when Amanda was pitching me to Scholastic mm-hmm. David Levithan knew who I was mm-hmm. which is mind blowing yeah. like totally insane um, David Levithan is, an, is a legend he's amazing uh, and I haven't had him on the podcast yet which is a crime you should um, I need to get on that he came to Cleveland and I was like the most excited person yeah, in the world yeah he's so great but but so I know it made it an easier sell also mm-hmm. I mean I created a platform for myself yeah. and it's it's funny because when people ask me for like advice or career advice, I'm like, you know, my career is insane. I was like, I, I can't, I can't in good, in good faith be like, you should start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. But, but that has worked for me. That yeah. is, that's led me to where we are. You're absolutely, when people ask the same thing, they're like, and we admittedly at Overdrive, like when people ask me like, well, how did you start a podcast? I'm like, I won't lie. Like, yes, I am not unaware of the fact that I'm able to speak with people and I know that that is a unique part of it but for us we work at a company that works with 5,000 publishers and I could walk up to someone and be like hey email Penguin Random House and ask for so and so and that's just for us like before we had any amount of listeners we were getting names of authors that made no sense and so people I always feel bad when people ask me that they're like well how did you get started I'm like we 
I asked my director for some microphones, and yeah. then I started emailing people, and they just didn't say no. And but it's so, it's so smart, yeah. and also what you guys are doing is a great service to writers because any place that you can talk about books, and yeah. I think pol- publishing podcasts are still kind of new ground. Yes. So I think it was really prescient of you. Well, and I and I think it is just I think what people don't realize about authors is, and what I finally got over the hump of it and was able to ask them is like. If, especially if it's one over the phone where I'm like, hey, I need 45 minutes of so-and-so's time. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, they have 45 minutes. They work from home. <laughs> like, they'll be happy to do it. And so I was like, we're so literally, we were getting these authors where if you told 17-year-old Adam they were going to talk to them, I'd be like, I'm going to cry. But they just, I feel like even if people don't have anything to do with having a podcast, I feel like if they just, if you have a question for an author, yeah. as long as it's not like, hey, do my book report, I I'm know, sure right? you get some of those. Well, I haven't yet, but okay, I well, know that happens a lot. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if people... If you email an author a question, you're usually going to get a response. And yeah. probably an eloquent one because they're an author. Well, exactly. And, like, there's no harm in it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, go through the channels that the author has provided for you. Like, mm-hmm. fill out a form on their website or send an email that, they've, that they give out. Like, certainly don't, like, Google their home address no. and go see them. That's not um, great. But, yeah, authors are... And, and here's the other thing about doing a podcast is what I've, what I've learned and what I tell people all the time. Uh, people want to talk about themselves. Yes. And not, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not saying people are narcissists. People want to talk about themselves, especially when they are putting their blood, sweat, and tears into artwork like this. They have something to say. Mm-hmm. And so if you give them the opportunity to talk about it and you engage with them in a really, like, good faith way, mm-hmm. they're going to have the best time. Well, and I always, and I think, um, I think this is from, like, Almost Famous or something, but there's a line from a movie that basically it's like, anytime you're listening to someone speak, more often than not you're just waiting for your turn to talk but podcasts totally. are a different experience because you are actively down like people who download this and see your name and push play they're right. actively doing that because they want to hear you tell your story and they can't talk back right like right. they have to listen that's what i found that's why podcasts were so pivotal to me at that time when mm-hmm. i was so when i was post-divorce and just like didn't want to be around people yeah. i was very in my feelings mm-hmm. and needed to be quiet but I, but I wanted human connection mm-hmm. and hearing two people talk, especially two people that I really admired, mm-hmm. especially comedians, right? Like at that time oh, I was like, yeah. let me just listen to two comedians, like goof off and be out of my head for a couple mm-hmm. hours. Like that was, that was a life-saving moment yeah. for me and podcast really stepped in. You said the two words that I explain to people all the time is human connection. Like yes. to me, and I get really like emotional and sappy about this all the time when I tell people they're like well why what do you like about the podcast I'm like I am having a conversation like we kind of talked about before like I'm having a conversation with you that no one else is ever going to have I'm like yes right. other people are going to hear it right but I probably wouldn't have had this opportunity if we both didn't have podcasts and yeah. like, there were like there wouldn't have been a reason for us to ever like meet and like those that means so much to me like when I was talking to and it could be people always ask like who are the biggest names of people you talk to and I hate that question because I actually like talking to debut authors more because they're more excited and it's a conversation that's new for them as well. Right. Like if I talk to someone who's on the New York Times bestsellers list like once a month, I'm just another person asking the questions right. for 15 minutes. It's true. It's true. And then there's, and then that question isn't fair either because it's like the better question is like who's been my favorite person to like have a conversation with because mm-hmm. that's like a super subjective thing too, right? Yeah. It's just like who's the person that I sat down with and then was like, I think I have a new best friend. Uh-huh. Like we just hit it off, you know? That's yeah. not that's not equated to success right at all it's so that's been very interesting too and also like then when you put when you hit record mm-hmm. on your phone and you ask people questions sometimes you get people who have yeah. been media trained 
sometimes it's the media trained outside of like into the robots mm-hmm. and other times when some people have been talking to me I've been like you need media training mm-hmm. <laughs> some people aren't used to talking with themselves yeah we've um, had both ends of the spectrum yes for sure there was someone that just tweeted the other day and I think I retweeted this that they were um, they were a reporter saying anecdotally I can tell you people who are in therapy are better interviews yeah. and I was like 100% uh-huh. just getting accustomed to eloquating how you feel mm-hmm. and what your thought process is makes you a better interviewer. Yeah. I think it makes you a better human. I'm here to say everyone should be in therapy. <laughs> well, not only that, therapists should have podcasts like ours because Dude. they ask those questions that Dude. get you to talk and talk and talk and that's what their job is. Wouldn't you listen to a podcast that was just like an hour of like every five minutes a therapist like prompting you with a question <laughs> and it's just supposed to be you talking. How does that make you feel? It's just every five Literally. minutes it says how does that Literally. make you feel? That would be oh, so freaking funny. I'm going to ask you an impossible question yeah. because you mentioned it. Like, <laughs> Who, like, I won't say who are your favorites. That's awful. It's an awful question. But, like, who was a conversation you had that you were not expecting to turn out, like, and, like, left you after that day? You were like, wow. That was- yeah, that's, that is a great question. The, the first one, I mean, one that, the one that comes to mind right away is um, Libba Bray. Mm-hmm. She, I was lucky enough that she is buddies with my agent, uh, yeah. Sarah Burns. And so really early on when in the recording of the podcast, like the first month I was doing it, I got to sit down with Libba Bray, which is <laughs> mind-blowing in the first place. But then, but then I went to her home. She opened up her house to oh. me. We sat down at her kitchen table and talked for three hours. And she is the most spectacular human being on earth and and spent half the time asking me questions yeah it was just really moving to be with someone who's so successful and so mm. has every right to be like uh-huh. um to be a little cautious yeah. right but no she was like opened her heart completely to me met me exactly where I was at mm-hmm. was so gracious so she like that was like I'm like getting emotional thinking uh-huh. about it it was really important to me yeah. so that conversation and those still those two episodes I recommend to people who are starting the podcast because mm-hmm. they're just like I was like if, if you like that yeah. then you'll like what this is all about because um, it's a lot of talking about books but it's a lot of talking about feelings mm-hmm. um, which is why it continues to be of interest to me yeah that's what I said you made me cry because of the feelings I was like walking my dogs like sobbing yeah. the other day listening to you and I was like Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> I mean I'm not going to say I'm sorry yeah and you should that's what that's what podcast should do um, okay so towards the end of ours we do nine questions we call them nerd, nan- nerd nine do not rapid fire because we used to call them rapid fire and people like we got like almost like hate mail they'd be like Adam please stop saying rapid fire because you get on tangents all the time so That's I don't call them anymore. They're amazing. just lighthearted questions. Like, just be honest. And they've probably heard me say this little description, like a thousand. We get emails and be like, please stop saying it in the description. I'm like, no, well, you have to explain it to me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so first one is what's the last book you finished reading? Ooh, the last book I finished reading, I just read On the Flight over here, Jason Reynolds' new book, Look Both Ways. I haven't read the new one yet. I was lucky enough to get an early copy PDF, and I was reading it on the plane just like a mess, just a slobbery He rules so hard. It's like, I now have to go watch his movie, so Mm -hmm. I made a movie about him. Um, I'm getting the chance to interview him, and I'm out of my mind. I got to talk to him as well, and (gasps) um, not only was the interview amazing, but he ended it with, I appreciate you, and I was like, that's the best goodbye I've ever heard, and I like like, (laughs) like, like, exploded. Um, What's your favorite place to read? Oh, that's a great question. You know, lately, I get most of my reading done in bed. Yeah. I have this weird sleep schedule. I don't know if you if this happens to you, especially when I'm super into a book. Uh-huh. 
I'll wake up at two in the morning, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm this person that falls asleep. Okay. But then I wake up at two in the morning and my mind is racing. But if, if I'm in the middle of a good book, then I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess it's time to read. <laughs> yeah. And so I read for like three hours uh-huh. and then I, the next day I'm like, why did I do that mm-hmm. to myself? And I do it again the next day. Yeah. So planes and my bed. Okay. All right. Uh, do you remember the first book that kind of made you fall in love with reading? <clears throat> you know, this is such a good question. And I love when I talk to people when they can really pinpoint specific books that they loved so much when they were kids or read and, mm-hmm. and reread and reread and reread. And I don't remember things that clearly or that well, but mm-hmm. but the book that I that changed me as a reader and made me like step up my game yeah. as a reader was The Giver. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a, I mean that's a really good answer. It, I, I remember reading that book and being like, oh mm-hmm. This you can do like this isn't just a story yeah. like this is something different you know my a part of my brain like clicked in on the gear and started yeah. moving with because of that book okay uh, what's one place you like to travel that you have not yet been to ooh that I've not yet been to yeah uh, Finland that is where my people are from that is what any any is a Finnish I can see you got some like some. Not like, some Scandinavian in oh, here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Not a small amount of Scandinavian <laughs> in this Swissness right here, yes. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee, for sure. Cats or dogs? Um, okay, don't hate me, everybody. Cats, for sure. I, so the only reason I ask is Jill, who's not here. She is a I cat know. person. <laughs> I'm a dog person. And so it's our eternal battle. Well, so. here's the true answer is my cat, Hammer, is a tuxedo cat. I, and he is... Uh, I love him dearly, but he is dumb as a rock. And so he is the closest that he, he's right in the middle of the cat dog spectrum. Uh-huh. So he, to me, is perfect. You do a good job with Hammer on your Instagram. I'll <laughs> Thank just say you. That. Um, I lost my train of thought. What's uh, your favorite holiday to celebrate? Uh, Halloween. Yeah. And people, uh, a lot of people in my life feel a lot of pressure around Halloween. So they don't want to celebrate it. Um, I say to them, Get over it and have fun. It's the best holiday. Uh, you, you need to come to the overdrive offices for Halloween. Ugh. We have 350 people and everyone all out. Bonk. We have a costume contest that I get to, like, I get to be the oh one who announces it. And I just, like, I don't know why. It's almost, it turns into, like, a Don Rickles. Like, I basically, like, roast everyone. I don't know why they keep letting me do it. I'm so that mean to everyone. Is amazing. The costumes are wild. Um, no, on Halloween, I in Los Angeles, in West Hollywood, they shut down this massive boulevard Mm -hmm. it's the same place that they do pride the only other time that it's shut down in this way is halloween and you the costumes Mm -hmm. i just like i just get wine in a paper bag like Uh a wino with my friends we dress up like crazy and then we just walk up and down the street and seeing all the cool ass costumes that people think of it's the best um what is your favorite food wow good question you're LA. I, mean, I thought you were going to say tacos right away. Oh, so many LA people say tacos, which is uh, okay. I mean, you're not wrong. I know. Tacos for sure. But um, you know what's so, what comes to mind is like beef stroganoff. <laughs> sure. That works. That's, that is my comfort food. Like three, three, 300 and however many episodes, that is the first beef yes. stroganoff I've got. Yes. Um, and the last one, and this is the one that everyone always yells at me that I don't tell them ahead of time, is if you get a dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you pick? Mm. Wow. Mine's Jim Henson, if oh, that helps. That's such a good right? one. Right? I'm adorable. I know. You are adorable. <laughs> you, you'd be like, I'm making you a Muppet. That's right. Um, I have a Muppet. My friend, I'll, I'll stall for you for a minute. One of my coworkers who comes on the podcast quite often, her and her husband made me a Muppet in my likeness. It's on my desk. Is that on your Instagram? You need to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find it for okay, you. Yeah, I'll find it for you. It, it should be more on the podcast Instagram, but <laughs> I, know, I will I want, put it on there. I want the Muppet to ask questions. Um, His name's Melvin. Just Okay, I'm no closer to an answer, but let's see. <laughs> I mean, the person that came to mind first, I'll go with that, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, she's pretty great. 
Also, to bring it full circle, my niece, who adores you, went as Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween last year. Your niece is my new best yeah, friend. I know. It's like, I want to be best friends with you, but I also feel like I should just be the respectful person and let you two be best friends. Uh, listen, that like warms my heart. Yeah. A little girl dressing like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I will find a picture and I'll send it yes, to you. Yes, yeah, I would love that. Um, all right, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from Tell Me Everything? I really... First of all, I love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I love an appreciation for Jeff Goldblum. Um, the, 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 what you just said about your sister is like one of the things I want mm. people to walk away. Like, the book is about social media and art. So on the social media side, I want people to think critically yeah. about not like hating social media, but like how do I engage with this? How am I forming identity by, through these things? What would happen to me if they disappeared? Mm. Um, I just want people to think about engaging with stuff like that because a lot of it is unconscious, thoughtless engagement. And when it comes to art, I was like, this book is so like me telling myself to like buck up uh-huh. and be brave enough to put art in the world, which is kind of a twisted logic thing because yeah. this is the whatever. But um, so that if it if it made any one person like start a new art project yeah. or feel like they can show it to somebody that would be like the ideal that's awesome so yeah. you are my favorite person thank you for joining us Dude, today you're my favorite person this is such a good interview thank you readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by rakuten overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.